Hello, my name is Paul Kearney and I'm Professor of Politics and Public Policy and this is a series of short podcasts to accompany my series of blog posts which introduce key public policy concepts and theories in 1,000 words. This one is on policy transfer and learning. It's also worth listening to the podcasts on power and ideas, the Advocacy Coalition framework on learning and look out for a second podcast and post which looks at the intersection between the use of evidence and policy transfer. The first thing to note is about you know definitions of terms. So we, we talk about transfer and learning, but they're different things. You can transfer without learning and you can learn without transferring. So if, you know, if imagine, for example, a government decides not to transfer policy after learning from the poor experience of another. Or it might transfer policy without really understanding why the exporting country had a successful experience. Now on that, you know, have a look at that, the post on bounded rationality. You know, this is a shortcut you learn from other people without really learning. Okay, so in that sense, policy learning describes uh, broadly the use of information or knowledge to inform policy decisions. Now that knowledge can come from several sources. You know, information on the current problem lessons from the past, or lessons from the experiences of other governments. And that's where transfer comes in, I think. But note just now, this is a political process, not a technical one. You know, learning, as you, as you see in the, the, the ACF post, learning is, a, you know, is, is done through the lens of existing beliefs. You know, you, you process information in a particular way, and, and you know, different people learn in very different ways. Then we have policy transfer, which broadly describes the transfer of ideas from one place to another. Now, bear in mind that that phrase "ideas" can that because that can mean anything from, you know, a, a broad inspiration to a, a very specific policy solution. Okay, so for example, you know, one government imports a policy from the government of another country, or you know one you know you have transfer from one region to another it doesn't necessarily have to be the, the central government of a of a recognized country <clears throat> in some cases you know regional learning or policy diffusion can be overseen by a central government now when you get into the definitions a bit more note that you know policy transfer is a catch all umbrella term there are also other key terms such as lesson drawing which is by Richard Rose, and if you look at the post, you'll see he extends that analysis of you know what we'll, we'll describe later as voluntary policy transfer to advice on how to do it. Then you have policy diffusion, which started off as the study of the spread of ideas or policies from uh, you know U.S. states, and you know the 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 image that you think there is you know, an ink blot in water. You know to to what extent does policy spread within at large area. And then you have this term policy convergence, which describes uh, the, 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 the kind of closing of a gap in policy between many countries. And then, you know, it, crucially, the reasons for that close. And, you know, for people like Bennett, you have to identify key causes of convergence where one one country learns from another or another country obliges somehow that country to follow its lead. Now in box 12.1 you can see some examples of major global transfers of policy. 
But note that, you know, you can also be talking about an in-depth case study of one instance. Now, one way to explore the empirical issues of transfer is to ask the, you know, who, what, where, why, how type questions. So first is, you know, from where are lessons drawn? And that draws our attention to, you know, for example, in the diffusion literature in the US, the extent to which some states innovate and others emulate. And, you know, a lot of studies look into the reasons why some states would, would innovate. You know, for example, yeah, you know, the relatively wealthy states or the relatively heterogeneous populations, you know, so there's relatively high levels of conflict and a, and a continuous search for, for policy solutions. And some states, you know, merely emulate, you know, look to other, other states to, to go first and then see what they can learn. Or, you know, they have to adapt to uh, the, the consequences of other state action. So um, you can then have the same kind of focus on innovating countries. Some countries are seen as innovative or successful in some areas. Now, on that point, it's worth looking at the post on policy success or failure. Because you might ask yourself, well, how, how do countries know what is successful before importing? You know, do they, and, and do they go to a lot of effort to find out uh, which countries are successful and why, or do they, do they base it on reputations? Second question, who is involved? So we're talking about the usual suspects, you know, the usual you know, policymakers, civil servants, uh, interest groups and such like. Plus there's a role for, you know, supranational or, or organize, uh, institutions or international organisations. Uh, and so, you know, an example I like that you can chase up on the, the public health page on my website is uh, the role of the World Health Organization to, you know, uh, produce the Framework Convention on Tobacco Control that, that almost all countries have signed up to. So a clear role there for an international organization. You can get, uh, you know, the role of, of federal government when you're talking about uh, diffusion within states or regions. Then there are these other interesting terms, policy entrepreneurs, which is a which is a term that, that's quite vague. But in this case, we're talking about, you know, people selling success, or you know, based on one experience, to people looking to import success. So the, the example I tend to like is the idea of the the Harvard Business School professor going around the globe, you know, selling new public management. Then you have this phrase, epistemic communities, which describes an international network of experts who come together uh, to come up with uh, you know evidence and solutions that they favor and then they, they they feed up those solutions within their own countries then you have a focus on uh, multinational corporations and the idea is that they are um, able to uh, if they're mobile they're able to move from country to country and enjoy you know the benefits of the the best service offered. So we often talk about a so-called race to the bottom as multinational comp companies play countries off one another to get them to reduce their corporation taxes and, and you know, labour regulations. And then finally, you would say other countries are important here, particularly some countries like the US and particularly on some issues like trade. Next question, why transfer? And, you know, the, the sub-question is, is it voluntary? So have a look at the Dolovitz and Marsh continuum there, which, which on the left-hand side has this idea of voluntary policy transfer, and on the right-hand side, completely coercive. And within there, there are some interesting uh, you know, uh, types. So from the left, you have what is voluntary 
transferable, often called indirect coercive. Now that's based on the perception of, uh, you know, an importing country that they have to do something, they have to react to developments in one country or a collection of other countries. Then you have this idea of externalities or, or spillovers. So often one country will make a decision, it'll have a huge effect on another and they have to, you know, they have to adapt somehow. That's often described in relation to uh, smaller regions or countries. So for example, Canada reacting to the US or within countries, you know, like uh, Wales reacting to policies by the UK government for England. And, you know, a good example there was when um, the UK government uh, introduced tuition fees in universities, you know, that, that, that put great pressure on Wales to, to respond. Then you have, you know, along the continuum, an idea of, you know, obligation because you've signed treaties. So there's a sort of voluntary nature of, of, of uh, um, you know, joining up to international organisations and then you're subject to a degree of coercion with the treaties. And then close to coercive, you have this idea of conditionality. So when countries are in dire financial straits and they're seeking loans from uh, international organisations, you know, the World Bank, or recently with, uh, you know, uh, Greece and uh, the EU, there's the, the, the lenders of the money provide very strict conditions on what a country has to do. And, you know, uh, the, you would say, well, this is almost uh, completely coercive because they have little choice but to accept the money and the conditions. Okay, but obviously, you know, in different uh, examples, you can be more or less along that continuum. Then you have the question, what is transferred and how much? So that can go from, you know, a vague inspiration to a complete programme. But note that, you know, the latter is rare because you need to adapt uh, policy in one context to another. Also note, uh, you can talk about negative transfer. So, so a government can learn that, uh, you know, another government had a complete failure. So, you know, what you, what you, 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 you do is, you know, you, you make sure you don't do the same thing. And then finally, what determines the likelihood and success of policy transfer? So this involves a process in which governments, you know, more or less are learning about what worked. They're learning to transfer the correct elements of success. And they're finding out if the, their experiences are comparable to the successful country. And that's not a straightforward process. Okay, so those are the, those are the main issues. But then the big question is, where do you go from there? So you could you could produce interesting studies of transfer, but um, it's really you know it's generally something to be explained. You know the so-called dependent variable, rather than a theory itself. And I think we can understand it best by applying other theories and concepts to the study of policy transfer. So I'll think of a few examples from the other posts, such as you know bounded rationality and incrementalism. You might ask, you know, do governments engage in trial and error strategies and learn from their own mistakes first? Do they restrict their analysis, you know, if they're boundedly rational, do they restrict their analysis to regions that are very similar to them? You know, because there's no point in learning from countries that pursue policies radically different from our own. And do some governments emulate without learning? Um, now, that's a, that's, a, that's a great argument by Berry and Berry that say, you know, often, uh, you know, information and time-strapped governments copy others without really knowing why they were successful. It's a high-risk strategy there.
and look at some of those theories like, uh, you know, punctuated equilibrium. So you ask yourself, is transfer a rare opportunity provided by, you know, the sudden and unpredictable attention to a, a problem or new ideas? Or look at the ACF and, and look at, you know, how, you know, do, do they learn from uh, the success of other countries through the lens of deeply held beliefs? And the final set of concepts I think are so important that I'll provide a different post to explore these issues. So combine two, two issues here. You know, first is uh, multi-level governance and the diffusion of power. So you imagine you could go two ways there. One is you could have more arenas, more venues producing more information and greater demand for learning, you know, innovation, emulation. Or the thing that I'll focus on a different one is, uh, you know, if there's a diffusion of power, does it undermine the ability of a central government to adopt policies from another country and implement them? And I'll ask, you know, is that part of a broader process of evidence-based policymaking, where they have to combine a decision on which evidence is best and which way to implement policy is best? Okay, thank you.